0: Cash, every movie, costs $2,184. We have
1: to go back! Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Flashback Flix Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And today, we are taking a look back at the 1999 American comedy film directed by Frank Oz, yes... The Muppet, Frank Oz, uh, <laughs> Bowfinger.
0: Yeah, and Bowfinger is interesting. Why are we doing Bowfinger? What's the connection? Well, because it's a movie about making movies, and movie theaters are starting to open again, and that is the connection.
1: That's it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not connected to tenant in any way, uh, mm. unless you. Oh, because
0: Bowfinger backwards is Bowfinger. I don't understand palindromes.
1: Uh, yeah, I had a palindrome in high school. And, uh, it really uh, messed up your, your freshman year. Uh, so, <laughs> Bowfinger. Uh, so, it was written by Steve Martin. Uh, and it is about a down-and-out filmmaker in Hollywood attempting to make a film on a very small budget with a star who does not know that he is in the film. Uh, it stars Steve Martin... Eddie Murphy, uh, Heather Graham, uh, Jamie Kennedy, uh, and a whole other host of really, really great talent. And uh, Steve Martin uh, came up with this idea uh, 13 years before the film was released. And then ultimately he you know, brought it to the forefront because a lot of people don't know this. Steve Martin is a writer. He's been a writer for decades. Uh, he had done... Uh, Some, I want to say the Smothers Brothers, he's written for them uh, and, you know, just throughout his whole career. And a great banjo player. I I feel like he he writes the way he banjos, which is very well. I feel like I need to give more story points for this movie. Uh, So here's a, a, a... not as brief synopsis of the movie. So independent film director Bobby Bofinger, played by Steve Martin, is desperate to make a feature film. With a script penned by Bofinger's accountant titled Chubby Rain, they're all set. However, having a budget of only $2,000... <laughs> However, having a budget of only $2,184, Bowfinger and his crew of one cameraman, two actors, and one accountant slash screenwriter have to make do by sneaking equipment off studio lots, borrowing vintage cars from other film producers, and filming in public places without a permit. Of course, the one thing that could make or break the film is the pull of a big star in the lead role, and they found just the actor. Kit Ramsey, played by Eddie Murphy. The only problem is that they kind of forgot to tell him about it at first. No real problem though. They just need to film. They just need to film him without him finding out. That's all. Mm. So that's a more broader synopsis, and so that's the main train running the film. And Eddie Murphy plays another character who is a lookalike. He's like, we we need someone who just looks like Kit Ramsey, and they find. His doppelganger, uh, Jeff, who is in the movie, and it's just such a delight. And so this movie, interestingly enough, (laughs) kind of uh, played into itself with production. So uh, this movie was being filmed in between uh, the production of Life the 1999 movie starring Eddie Murphy and Martin Lawrence, as well as Night Professor 2 Colin The Clumps in the year 2000. Uh, and so they only had a six week window to shoot all of Eddie Murphy's parts, which I thought was just so perfect (laughs) for this movie Uh, because Eddie Murphy basically is the action star that they are trying to get in the movie and he basically turns it down and then they everyone's just trying to film around him while his life is slowly feeling more and more uh, like the Truman show like what's happening and so and Eddie Murphy actually got involved because he just really is a big fan of Steve Martin Uh, and Story goes when Murphy sat down with Martin and the director Frank Oz. The first thing he said was like, "Kit Ramsey should be like a black action superstar." And then Oz then asked, "Does that mean you're making the
0: film?" Yeah, because I read that originally the Kit Ramsey character was designed for Keanu Reeves, like yes. they had him in mind, which yeah. is a completely different interpretation of this character. But I like what they landed on. I would, I
1: would still love to see Keanu Reeves take this. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad we got Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy, you know, wanted to play those dual roles. Uh, and it's something that he really likes to do in movies. And this, I have to say, is maybe my favorite dual role that Eddie Murphy has maybe ever done. That's high praise. I mean, it. I just had a delight watching him play Jeff. On the screen. Oh, one of my favorite, favorite things. But this movie uh, did really well. Uh, It debuted behind... The Sixth Sense, uh, Mm -hmm. number two in 1999, uh, with a budget of 55 million. Several more thousands than what the movie's proposed budget was uh, that they were making inside the film of like two thousand dollars, and it went on to make over nine hundred. Not nine hundred. It went on to make over 98 million dollars in the box office. So I I feel I'm I'm just using my judgment. Maybe Mm -hmm. this is a well-known movie by everyone else. I did not know much about this movie other than the movie poster. I could clearly tell you it's Steve Martin sitting next to Eddie Murphy, and Eddie Murphy has this really goofy smile and glasses. That's all I really knew about this movie. Yeah, so
0: you hadn't seen this before this week? No, no, I had not. I I had not either, but my connection to it was also the poster, where I clearly remember going to Cinemark Tinseltown... And it yeah. was next to the hot dogs, mm-hmm. this giant Bowfinger uh, poster. And I think above it, they were playing the trailer, which in my mind, the only scene that really stuck was them running across the highway. Yes. And for years, this has been you know one of the few Steve Martin movies that I just hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that we, we finally made our way to Bowfinger.
1: Yeah, you, you get to finally fill in that Steve Martin punch card. And I think the next Steve Martin movie you see is free.
0: Yeah. It comes with a sandwich, too.
1: (laughs) I feel like the poster was done largely to appeal to people who weren't us because this I'm looking at the movie poster right now. And it says the con is on Steve Martin, Eddie Murphy together for the first time, Bowfinger. They didn't bother telling you anything else about the movie uh, or why those two characters would be together and you don't even really see Jiff until like maybe like a third into the movie. Mm-hmm. And so it's uh, I think maybe the reason why it wasn't uh, as explosively a hit uh, is twofold. One, I don't think that people <laughs> were bothering telling anyone about what the movie was about. Like Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy, it sells itself. Why bother With context, (laughs) because they had never worked together on screen, and they were in production at a different studio doing Life, which had Martin Lawrence and Eddie Murphy, two very prominent comedians who had not really worked together in the same film. And
0: so it was a different era, I believe. Mm, mm. It's a real Venn diagram of Steve Martin Lawrence. (laughs) For Eddie Murphy's career. I think the the pairing, though, of being like, oh, they're together, is even though Steve Martin's never officially been a cast member on SNL, they've worked with a lot of the same people through their SNL connections, Um, but they didn't really overlap at the same time a whole lot. Because I think by the time Eddie Murphy was on, Steve Martin was mostly in films and and doing less television and less touring with stand-up, and so... Um, yeah, I, th- I think in general, it makes sense that it took a while for them to cross paths. If the poster had been their faces, and instead of the title, it just said, Steve Martin wrote this, I probably would have seen it earlier. Yeah. Because uh, I didn't realize till the credits were rolling. I was like, oh, Frank Oz, great, Yoda. And then, uh, you know, it's written by Steve Martin. I was like, oh, and if you've ever read any of Steve Martin's plays... You can hear the language in this whole thing. Um, there were parts that were improvised, uh, and that's you know a lot of what Eddie Murphy brings to every role. It's just his amazing mind for improv. Um, but a lot of the core scripted jokes are like, yes, that is 100% Steve Martin.
1: Yeah, and this movie, I mean, yeah, there's so much improv, and there's just so much... Um, I, I, this is my second thesis bullet point for why this movie didn't do as well, even though it did well. Like it made us money back and then some, but I, th- I guess Hollywood just wants things to make like every million, and sometimes several million just has to be enough. Uh, but I think the it was this movie was made for a very specific kind of person, and that is us, Grayson, us mm. film movie people, because even I, I can confidently say if I had watched this movie as a kid, I don't think I would have appreciated it the way I can appreciate it today. Uh yeah.
0: The struggle of making a movie. Uh, there's a lot of anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety watching this film of being like, oh been there. Yeah. <laughs> like it's, oh man. yeah. It's a cautionary tale. It is like, like Lost in La Mancha.
1: One of the things that this movie does very well is it it's like a fictionalized version of i I guess that already is the fictionalized version but redundancy hasn't stopped me before it's a fictionalized version of the disaster artist Mm -hmm. um because chubby rain has like so many things in common with the room (laughs) uh includes the director financing the film with his own money gratuitous nudity uh being used as a selling point Filming without a permit and the actors thinking the film may never see the light of day and a Hollywood style premiere that ends with huge applause. That's that's the room if I've ever heard Mm -hmm. in my headcanon is just that time was like, watch this movie. He's like, oh, great documentary, Mark. And then he went goes out and just decides to make a
0: room. That's a great idea.
1: (laughs) So something that happens with a lot of movies, you know is that movies will not only create social media accounts, but they'll also create their own websites. Uh, And they did this as long as the internet was a thing. Uh, Bowfinger has an archived website uh, from 1999. I just just want to tell you what's on the website, Grayson. Uh, You can find out about the story, the cast, filmmakers, Mm -hmm. you know, behind the scenes, which is just a page saying like, yeah they, they made the movie all right media which you could download uh different uh video files of the trailer and uh you can you, you can download a quick time 10 frames per second uh 10.5 megabyte version of the trailer uh right. or five frames per second it's up to you uh but I think take the mo- it real slow. Yeah. But I think the most interesting feature on this website is that you could send an email postcard. Mm. And so an email postcard was basically just uh, these little images like the con is on and it's basically just a movie poster. And then you can send the recipient an email that just. It's just. That was a part of the website. There's a whole system where you can send someone an email postcard of just the con is on. And I guess write a message like, hey, let's let's get
0: to this heist. So if I'm understanding correctly, this was basically an email that just had an image of a postcard that said the con is on. Yes. And you could fill in the text. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have to ask, who in your life would you have sent that to?
1: Grayson, I tried sending it to you. Uh Oh, we that's started
0: what recording. you were okay.
1: <laughs> uh. Uh, but I imagine that the uh retro movie podcast market back in 1999 wasn't as broad
0: as um as it is today. Well, they just called them movies back then.
1: <laughs> uh retro movie podcast. Let's look at train coming into the station. Ah, <laughs> oh, I remember this.
0: I got an e-telegraph. <laughs> I wonder what kind of technology practices we have today that will feel outdated twenty years from now. So like that is essentially they try to do, you know, friend-to-friend marketing, right? Where they're like, hey, tell your friends, email them our ad. I wonder if twenty years from now we'd be like, remember when we, we used to like share posts with each <laughs> other that we would force content on our friends and family who did not ask for it? Working for the advertisers. <laughs>
1: I really think it's going to be tagging. It's just like, remember you said tag people in things?
0: Yeah, the audacity of tagging. Like, well, that was back before we had automatic facial recognition and everyone was immediately attached to every picture taken of them. Absolutely. This has become a very different podcast. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So sorry.
1: That's right. The The Black Mirror uh, podcast is... Uh, Next millennium. Mm, mm. Um, but so this was your first time watching the movie. What were you expecting it to be about? Because I was, I did not even think that this movie was about making movies. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I knew I think I knew it was about making movies, but I thought it was more of like uh the producers, that they were working together ah, as mm-hmm. the poster would imply. Right. Togetherness, uh, in this. I, I didn't really know the premise of it. I also didn't know a lot of the real life type stories this was based on. Like a Russian filmmaker tried to do this in nineteen twenty seven with Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks, <laughs> and they like went along with it to support Russian filmmaking, but initially did not they didn't really, you know, condone being in this movie. So there's like stuff like this that has happened through history that's been really interesting to discover. Um but I did not really know the premise of this movie um more than they're making a movie. So it was fun to to see how this was spinning out. I think we have seen a lot of movies like it uh, since then, like, and most of them after, I'd say. Like you brought up Disaster Artist, um, Tropic Thunder. There's yeah. a lot of that in this as well. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of doing whatever you can to make a movie, I mean, really, you think about Three Amigos also with Steve Martin. It has some of that feel, too, of they think they're making a movie Um, but they aren't, in fact. And so it's like the reversal of that. So seeing all those kind of influence was really fun. For me, it was uh, hearing Steve Martin's voice coming through in this story um, with something that you can easily relate to especially if you do what we've done uh you know if you've ever tried to make just like a movie on your phone or borrowing your parents sony handycam per mm-hmm. se mm-hmm. um or tried to do it at the scale that he's doing it that yeah. gorilla style running gun type filmmaking uh, there you can empathize with it a bit and so that's where most of my focus was watching it just being like oh man that is not that is not how you want to do that or i think more than anything i was impressed with his solution to things like the dog walking in the high heels uh so that it couldn't be seen over the cars in the parking garage um stuff like that i was just like wow that's really creative even for steve martin just to sit down and write that premise yes um I, i was really impressed and so Um, I'm a massive Steve Martin fan anyway. And so, like I said, this is one of the few Steve Martin films I haven't had the pleasure of seeing. And so I, uh, yeah, I just enjoyed watching something new from him, um, that I hadn't seen before.
1: Upfront, I thought it was a, a, a movie that had more to do with like a heist or like, uh, some kind of like Steve Martin was like swindling, uh, Eddie Murphy's character out of the money or something just because they said the con is on. And uh, just on that premise alone, I was like, oh, this probably isn't for me as a kid. Uh, I'm probably going to skip this one. But that's just what I thought was going to be the case. Uh, and I was pleasantly surprised when I watched it. I was like, oh, it's about making movies? Um, <laughs> this is this is really fun. And there are so many great moments. My favorite story arc is something that at first I was like, uh is going to be one of those things that doesn't really age well. It still doesn't,
0: but. Yeah, no, it's a real, um, like, cancellation bingo, really. <laughs> like, there's a lot, of, and some of it is done to highlight problems in the industry. Yes. Or specific people that have done these types of things. Watching it in 2020, you're like, ooh, would this be made today? Is it enough of a satire? That's the question. Is it enough of a satire?
1: <laughs> yes. Is it enough of a satire? I I will just say, I don't want to spoil the movie, but the arc of the camera crew Mm, is mm. my favorite arc of the movie, period. Like, bar none. I'm just like, they did it. Like, this all all worked out.
0: Yeah, because when it first happens, you're like, nope, 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 probably not, probably not, can't do that. And then as it keeps going, you're like, these guys are kind of the best. These guys are awesome. It's... (laughs) You're like, this is, I want this to be their movie, but I'm jumping ahead to recast and remake.
1: Yeah, absolutely. But this movie really does take you by surprise. I think uh, the reason why not more people know about it is because a lot of people probably thought that they didn't want to see it or wanted to see something else more. But Mm -hmm. I just have to say, if you are a lover of movies or have ever been a part of making a movie in any capacity... Uh, you will absolutely uh, connect well and resonate with Bowfinger. I am a part of a uh, Facebook group called Movie Set Memes, and I, I i was I was telling my wife, I was like, I feel like I'm watching the Movie Set Memes movie almost, just because of how many just inside. Like, if you've ever been on a film set or ever been a part of a production, like you know that they are just really telling. This uh true to form story and, and the ending. The ending of the movie was just spectacular. And so it's uh I, I feel like not since Dark Man have uh have uh. we un unearthed a movie that I had never seen. I'm so grateful that I have seen all by complete accident. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and not since Charlie's Angels full throttle have we had an action scene at the Griffith Observatory. You're so right. So it, it really has come full circle. It really has a real roundhouse kick, if you will. <laughs> roundhouse flick.
1: Oh, and you know the uh, inside the Griffith Observatory, um, mm. one of the uh, main structures that they have that is in that main observatory window. Um, a lot of people think it's a giant telescope. Actually. Headcanon! Headcanon. Headcanon is a part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movies and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. I think my main piece of headcanon is that this world that they kind of live in is the last action hero world.
0: Mm, Um, Okay.
1: Just where things are just a little bit more heightened. The last action hero world where basically movie characters are able to make their way back kind of thing um
0: that's interesting because then if kit had you know he's a movie star if he had transcended into that world that would be why he's so messed up with thinking that you know there are aliens after him and giant feet that are going to step on him yes oh he passed through the shimmer
1: absolutely yeah and i think that that's why he is such a such a good action star and like so big about his ego because like that he's, he's just so... He is literally written to be good at all of his own stunts and uh,
0: at all of his uh, prominence. Oh, Ricky, I'm going to tag team off that headcanon because I originally my headcanon was that Kit and Jif are... Uh, the What ended up happening with Stefan or Kel and Steve Urkel, <gasps> um, that this is an extension of Family Matters. Wow. Uh, but I like your headcanon so much too because if you go to last action hero like there were equivalents to those people in our world yeah so jiff belongs in our world and kit has yeah he's crossed over he's stuck and he doesn't know it yeah huh that's really interesting yeah what would happen if an action star was stranded here as a baby (laughs) and they and they didn't know they belonged in the movies you got something ricky i got something
1: i think you need to write that flick
0: yeah it's like dances with action stars
1: (laughs) i like it i like it a lot huh and and also i i just heavy rain i Mm -hmm. i guess it's not a headcan because i just want it to be real that movie exists somewhere i just need it to exist somewhere like in our real human world i need to see heavy rain start to finish
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Uh, Topher Grace has probably cut it together. Yes. Thank you, Topher, for everything you you do. Thank you for your hard work. Yeah, thank you. Master editor. (laughs) I guess that's it. First take, best take. I want to see Heavy Rain.
1: And now we're going to go to the part of the show where we like to talk about recasts and remakes.
0: Recast, remake.
1: If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be in Steve Martin's role of of mm-hmm. Bowfinger? I think I would love to see the return of Michael Myers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that he would do that, play that role very well. Um, yeah, and, um, or I would just want Shia LaBeouf to make his way back to comedy. Have Real
0: life it. cannibal Shia LaBeouf.
1: Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. Hmm. Running with a knife. Or I'm I'm just thinking of other comedians who I think would be really fun uh directors. I think Jim Carrey would be really fun. He'd that. be fun.
0: Yeah. That kind of high energy manic type. You know, would it be all over the place. Which which is very much in line with the Steve Martin character of this. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. Yeah. For my recasting, I had I traded one Steve for another and had Steve Carell. Yes. Uh, I was I was really looking for the the Absolutely. silver fox angle there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then for Kit slash Jif I had Kevin Hart. Oh my goodness. Um. I think the fast talking Im- improvisation that those roles require, all you need is a little heart and a big screen. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Are you his manager? Oh, if only. <laughs> Although I feel like if they were to remake this today, this is one of those movies where it has to take place at this time with this technology because yeah. now they would just do face replace. Right. Like they would just deep fake the whole thing. You're right. Yeah.
1: Speaking of, I don't know why I said that. This might not even connect. To- any <laughs> Jamie Foxx. Uh, I think Jamie Foxx would be a really great uh um, Kit character or the director. I, I could see him being uh the director because he's also I mean he he has such great range.
0: Yeah. And I'd love for him to return to comedy. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Uh as far as like a rebate goes, I would love for them to turn Bothinger into a reality show. Um where they it's it's like punked, mm-hmm. but they are trying to like get a movie scene. Made, like that would be so like okay. You have all these like aspiring directors, and you have to kind of like plant where like you know that these celebrities will be in these certain places, and you just go up to them and you try to get them to say the line. Uh oh. And so it's kind of like a hey, uh I'm so sorry. What what time is it? It's like uh, I guess it's like seven fifteen. It's like oh my gosh, I'm late. Um, can I borrow your car? You want to borrow my car? He's like, we got it. <laughs>
0: That would be, I love the idea for that reality show. That would be such a dangerous thing (laughs) for celebrities to be like every team is is assigned a different celebrity that they have to have in their movie. Yeah. Like find out where they are, Mm -hmm. track them down at the gym, parking garage, whatever you got
1: to do. I need you to get Kenan Thompson to say,
0: there's no way that's going to happen. It's like, got it. I can get that really easily. But I think that is another great idea for a movie that you just got to write, Ricky, uh, where and have half the celebrities just playing themselves in the movie. Oh, you're right. Perfect. All right. I'm off to the races. All right. Get Clooney. He loves to play himself. I think it'd be fun to see a, you know, a current day catch up with the characters type thing 20 years later. So we saw that, you know, if he had a film career that he was able to make from this, um, but it kind of died down, what's his resurgence? What's what's he going to come back with and have his legacy mm-hmm. um, and how he really could not do things now how he did them back then? Right. Um, you know, we talked about a lot of the culturally problematic aspects of this movie and without going into too much detail because there is too much detail Mm -hmm. um they just wouldn't be able to do it the same way and so i think that's where you could hold up the mirror to the industry and being like look these things are radically different than in 1999 but also how much of this really hasn't changed and should change so mm-hmm. i think it'd be a, an opportunity just for just like this movie does of holding the mirror up to you know, the industry and how movies can get made and how they should get made and what are the problems of you know making movies this way uh, they could do the exact same thing for 2020
1: yeah oh absolutely because i i think the spirit of Bowfinger, you know, like just it, it, it I, th- I think the I want, I want them to remake it in a way that allows other teams to tell their story, like almost like make it a, an anthology series, almost where you you kind of mm-hmm. just see, um, like other people try to make their movie because this movie gave me a lot of like be kind rewind vibes, mm-hmm. um, of like. You know, granted, they had way more budget and access to actually actual like Hollywood studio cameras and things like that. But, yeah, I, I just think that there's so many Bowfinger like stories out there that can be told um, that I'd, I'd, I'd love to see it like that. No, you know what I would also love to see? We love the show Home Movies. Yeah, we. Oh, uh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. Uh, big time. Yeah. I'll be proud <laughs> We, we're all pretty hack. Uh,
0: um, so, uh, um, I would them love are for HBO Max right now, by the way. Oh,
1: great. Yeah. I'll burn my DVDs and watch it there. Um, <laughs> not like copy them, but destroy them. So, I would love for them to, uh, I would love for us to see Bowfinger animated. Um, oh. and for them to kind of like make it, uh, Maybe School Google Vision style. Maybe that's just the right avenue for it. But they, but they do it. And we see basically Bowfinger's career up until the movie and then also after of uh, the different projects that he actually gets made. And maybe he's just like the in-between guy to make all these things. So I guess a blend between extras kind of. You know how extra, like, they'll they'll be on set with, like, actual actors, and they're playing fictionalized versions of themselves, but it's from the perspective of, uh, you know, an extra. But they kind of do it from, like, the production crew. Like, each episode is, like, a different set. Like, okay, the Bullfinger crew is going to go try to make their version of Indiana Jones, but it has, like, a tenth of the budget. And oh yeah i like that but they but they got harrison ford to sign on uh somehow uh, i think largely just court mandated public service i don't know i think i, that'd I be like really that fun. whole
0: format for the show because you could have a real comment on celebrity where you do it who framed roger rabbit style yes all the celebrities are real people everyone yep. else is animated and then when Bowfinger makes it, he becomes a real person. Like Pinocchio. Spoilers for Pinocchio. Oh, no, no!
1: Oh, that might be one of my top ten favorite sentences you've ever said, Grayson. Spoilers for Pinocchio. Hashtag spoilers for Pinocchio. All right. Now we're going to go into our final segment of the show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So, Grayson, why would you
0: recommend the 1999 movie Bowfinger? I'd recommend Bowfinger because even though some of the stuff doesn't age well, um, some of it on purpose, some of it maybe not satire enough anymore, um, it is still really – I found myself laughing out loud, um, especially a lot of the dialogue. I mean, Steve Martin is just amazing with words and um, he has that pizzazz. Uh, but some of the lines that I wrote down were ones from uh, Eddie Murphy's character where he says, it's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. <laughs> um, and another it's one so he good. said was, he's not like the other Kennedys. Look at him. He's different. <laughs> uh, and then I, I, just, I'm going to run through these real quick. But uh, the other one was when he was – when. Steve Martin's character was tallying up how much money they needed. And he goes, no cash. Every movie costs $2,184. Yep. (laughs) Um, Which is fun too, because, you know, he says his age is 49 before, but if you do the math at how much he actually would have collected with the system that he had in place, he was lying about his age. Mm -hmm, Um, mm I think mm -hmm. he's closer to like 52. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Another great line is she had the personality of a zip code in Kansas. And then Heather Graham has a lot of great lines in this movie as well. One of my favorites she says is, I may be from Ohio, but I'm not from Ohio. Yep. <laughs> and it's like the dialogue in this is so Steve Martin. So if you're a fan of especially his stand-up, but you know, his plays, his writing style in general, this is a great showcase of that. The performances are amazing. Um, you know, really just pop, very kinetic, great chemistry. Um, especially between Eddie Murphy, Steve Martin, and Heather Graham, um, and there's great cameos in this too, like Robert Downey Jr. playing one of the studio execs. It's just mm-hmm. really fun and has a few moments, but uh, really builds out the world. And I think at the heart of this, this is a story of desperation of someone, you know, who won't give up but is willing to really, you know cause mayhem and commit crimes to have their dream become a reality and he gets in over his head and he over promises um, but he really does absolutely everything he can to you know fulfill his dream um, and so there's, there's something attractive about that uh, at a story level not on a human level but on a story level it's fun to watch um and i, and I think you know a lot of just how they go about making this movie is really clever and fun to watch, but you can empathize with these characters. Um, And I think there's a lot of balance in them, even though they are a lot of the times caricatures of people in film and in the the movie making industry um, where you have someone who has no money but has all of the drive in the world uh, and will do anything to get that. And that's contrasted with someone like Eddie Murphy's character, where Kit has all the celebrity and money that you could hope for, but has is mentally unstable uh, and and ha- lacks the confidence and has lost grip with reality. Um, and so these these real character balances, I think, uh, are what ground the movie. And ultimately, it's a really fun, funny, character piece. Um, it's not a complicated story by any means, but it is, um, it is nuanced enough to keep your attention and and keep you laughing and keep you engaged. Um, and so watching it 21 years later, um, it, which is still crazy to say out loud, but watching it 21 years later, um, you know, you have to watch it in the time that it was made. And uh, just you know, enjoy the work of Steve Martin and Eddie Murphy. So that's why I would recommend Bowfinger.
1: I mean, yeah, Bowfinger. I honestly have to say, is unexpectedly like one of my new favorite movies, and it, it's it's largely because it is so sincere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the, the you know, it's about just these people who are trying to make a movie and. Like, my wife, when we were watching it, she's like, we're getting, like, disaster artist vibes, right? Like, uh, a disaster artist, uh, one of the characters says, a bad day on set is better than the best day anywhere else. Uh, and, and that kind of was uh, echoed with the line uh, set by another actor in Bovinger. He's like, oh, I, well, well, what do you think? I thought it was a beautiful lie. And I'm just like, Ugh. I just, I'm just a sucker for like people just loving the craft of movie making, uh, just so much so that even when things go bad, they still get to be part of the process. That's uh just some of my favorite little themes inside of movies. And so Eddie Murphy plays one of my favorite characters Eddie Murphy has ever played. Jiff uh, oh, wow. is just so sincere and so he just feels like a real person every time he reacts to anything i'm like i know this guy like i i i'm all, i'm not convinced i'm not this guy uh but he's just so uh just so great it, it's, it's it's one of the most unexpected uh ways that you see eddie murphy i'm gonna say it because i know it's extreme but
0: this is Eddie Murphy's eternal sunshine, spotless mind. Wow, I think most people would say dream girls, but okay. Uh, okay. most people haven't seen both. <laughs> yeah, you really have to compare and contrast. Yeah, largely <laughs> because <Five> paragraphs.
1: <laughs> uh, only because he Eddie Murphy is giving us what what we kind of expect from Eddie Murphy from a character standpoint, but in a completely different gear. Mm. He is just so funny at just being so subtle and real. Um, like Jif, Jif is just one of my favorite characters. He's just, he's just a
0: regular guy. Yeah. Loves- Cause when you first see Eddie oh. Murphy in his character of Kit, you're like, okay, I get this, this like, I, I okay, I understand. And then when Jif pops up, you're like, Ooh, okay. Buckle up. This is something different.
1: Oh man. Just so just, it's great. It's so, I'd recommend it for all those reasons. Uh and it it, it is a love letter to the, the movie making process um and all of its stresses and frustrations and challenges and um and and, and I I personally have a a particular uh strung string. I don't know. It pulled it pulled on my film Making Heart String, but I don't know I don't how know. instruments work or how hearts
0: work. But if you have one of those things both. Fingers. What do I look like? Some kind of piano doctor. <laughs> um, I, yeah. And you mentioned earlier that the character arcs in this movie are so strong. And I think that's what gives it so much heart and resolution and feels good to watch um, because they don't even have to say it. It's just their reactions every time. I think every character gets what they want at some point. Yes. And you can just see their face and you see that moment and click and you're like, ah, what a journey! Yep. What a story! Mm-hmm. Um, and especially the crew, uh, the the crews are. Oh, that's what I was going to say in recast and remake. Is I would like to see a movie purely from their perspective. I want a Rosencrantz and Guildenstern. <laughs> I would be remiss, Ricky, if I did not yes. pitch the film crew from Bowfinger having their own standalone story. Yes, because um, they are n- no no characters in this movie come as far as they do. Um, and it's just a really satisfying ending. So, yeah, Bowfinger.
1: All right. And that is our review of the 1999 comedy Bowfinger. Let us know what you remember about Bowfinger. If you do remember Bowfinger, if you don't remember it, tell us what you thought the movie was about. On all of our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us. It would mean like... like Uh, a movie being made to us, which is a lot. Uh, If you could leave us a rating review on your podcasting platform of choice, it really helps to get the word out there that this movie uh, that this movie podcast is the podcast that reviews Bowfinger. I don't think there are a lot of Bowfinger (laughs) reviews out there. Um, Mm. And Uh. so we're I'm sure we're one of the dozens bow
0: finger uh
1: on a scale of one to five uh sharp pencils
0: um oh yeah mm-hmm. h- how would you how would you, you coffee, movie? make sure the napkins are in the bag you got sharpened pencils yeah five sharp pencils
1: and be sure to tune in next time right here on the flashback Flix retro movie podcast until then remember to be kind and rewind Next time on the Flashback
0: Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With The Devil All the Time, starring Robert Pattinson, Sebastian Stan, and Tom Holland making its way to Netflix, we're doing The Fashionable Thing and reviewing The Devil Wears Prada.
1: Now, Grayson, let me be Emily Blunt with you. There is no oh. Anne Hathaway that I'm not going to love this Meryl Street movie.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Ricky, no need to get too cheap.